With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. BWI Daily Edition. It's Thursday. That means it's time for the mailbag, and I'll answer one question right out of the gates with this. Sorry, Chris. We did not change the music back to the old music to start the podcast. Uh, Nate, I never imagined that the intro music would cause a month-long debate in the comments section about the show. Not in a million years. You get used to something, and then it changes, and it just it takes a little takes a little time. I, it's still when I hear those that first screeching guitar, it throws me off a little bit. I'm not used to it, but I'm I, getting there. I do. I love that people are passionate about this show because that's what I am. I and and I never want to over assume that there are things that I do that matter. <laughs> I've learned in media long ago that like you think everything matters and on the sum like in recruiting, yes, every little detail matters. But if I change the font, which I've done yeah. a couple of times, people probably never notice. But when you change the intro music, I, I'm I'm just happy. I'm flattered and and I'm thankful that people care. Change change that background image. Make it a <laughs> make it a Nittany lion. Now the reason I happens. won't change that is because that's a lot of work. <laughs> it took me a long time to build everything you're looking at, and it's not an easy process. So when you see things that go wrong, it's because something has gone wrong, and my delicate Jenga here of everything you see has somehow gone askew. Uh, but today is our mailbag edition, and Chris, by the way, is the one who always uh, wants to know the the primary voice of those that want the old intro music. So uh, we are going to talk today on the BWI Daily Edition about whatever you want to hear. And uh, we have a variety of topics, Nate, in the mailbag, uh, going all the way from recruiting in football to a basketball question. Basketball recruiting question. Basketball recruiting question. And before we get started... I mean, that's, that's another step like removed that's That's deep that's deeper in there that's deeper in there uh penn state got a big win against michigan state i want to address that with you before we go any further uh this was something that penn state has been building towards this bubbling up of being competitive in all these games everything finally hit from what it seemed on tuesday night against michigan state is what it seems right yeah no they they it it it, a lot of their games have had a familiar trajectory. They play hard in the first half. Uh, the opponent goes on a little run to start the second half, and then they have to climb back, right? There's always there's always a climbing back with this Penn State team. There, there's never a comfortable lead that dissipates. It's the other way around. Uh, and so they did it again. They, they climbed back and, uh, you know, managed to turn around a 14-point deficit. And they did it fairly quickly, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the wake of Micah Shrewsbury's, uh, big accomplishment here, first technical foul oh. as Penn State's head coach. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, no. And he, I mean, he didn't Shocked even earn it. Up. 
Oh, really? Did not. Yeah, no. Well, you know, he didn't get his money's worth. You know, there was no screaming. There was maybe like a light holding back uh, mm-hmm. from from the side from the sidelines. But no, I mean, this was a building, budding frustration of yep. his over the last few games where Penn State had not. It's not. And I don't want to go too far down this road, but like it's not the foul at the end of the game that is debatable one way or another that leads to the frustration. It's the touch fouls for the prior 35 minutes in the game that don't get called that leave Penn state in this massive foul disparity, right? Like in the second half of that game, it was something like nine to two team fouls, nine to one between Penn state and Michigan state. And so can I ask you something quickly about that? Because one thing I We've talked about this previously, and one of the things that on a previous show I talked about is be so overwhelming that they have to call it. So when Lamar Stevens was freight training to the bucket on a regular basis a couple years ago, did the staff yep. have a similar feeling of even he wasn't getting calls as a guy who was and should have been seen as a superstar in the Big Ten? Because yeah, Sam think- Sessoms is the guy going to the bucket right now for the most part. It, it is, I think, a little bit of a size thing yeah. is the, the little guys don't necessarily get that benefit of the doubt because there's going to be some contact. Lamar Lamar got to the foul line a, a decent amount. There were yeah. games where he didn't that it was taken and received as a sign of disrespect, yeah. right? Like that, yep. that here's a guy who has paid his dues and earned these trips to the free throw, which I mean, yeah. honestly, like the, the very conversation around that sh- makes me uncomfortable. It should make everyone uncomfortable. But, the, and the the, but it is all. Yeah, it, but it, it just, is with basketball, with basketball. 100%. It is always about that. It's about stars. It's about who earns the foul, because I've never understood. Yeah. I've never understood it either, but it is yep. absolutely a subculture in. I don't know if refereeing, but in, in, in basketball, that it is a part of that. Yep. Yeah. No. So, so that that was that was uh, a, another element of the game. But but the reality was is that uh, at the end of the game, both teams ended fairly even on free throw attempts, trips to the free throw line. Like that stuff didn't end up mattering as much as Penn State made timely shots. Yeah. Uh, Seth Lundy hit a hit a really clutch bucket. Um, you know, there were a couple of really key three pointers and mm-hmm. John Hara yep. went nuts down the stretch. John Hara rebounds. Made, he was, he was what? 16 in the game. Career high. Six, 16 rebounds, 16, uh, 16 points. So no, he's, I Not mean, you know, Hara's pretty good, pretty good, <laughs> but look, they, they got a wait against Michigan state. What's, what's curious about it is now they have Minnesota at 4 PM on mm-hmm. Thursday and Moving forward, their next games uh, include, I don't know the order, but it's Northwestern, Nebraska, and Maryland, all of whom are kind of in the same tier with them. Yeah. And so if they can find a way to get on a little bit of a winning streak or win a few, right, like four out of five, something like that, they could actually make themselves and play themselves into the conversation for postseason play. So it's 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 interesting. It's not over till it's over. Never. (laughs) Never. So no, well, we'll see. Yeah, it should be interesting. Of course, we'll be covering all that on the BWI live show, especially we we reserve about 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the end. If I can shut my mouth about whatever Penn State football topic in the first 30 minutes. 
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. We focus on that at the end of the show, so if you want more basketball talk, we'll get to it there. And we got, again, a basketball question coming up in the mailbag, which we have to get to right now, Nate. Our BWI mailbag. You ask questions, we answer them here on the show. Our best way to interact with the show outside of our live show on Monday, which I do understand if you've got work can be a bit of a bummer that you can't uh, tune in. So we want to have multiple avenues to engage with you. And of course, the best ways to get your questions in Wednesday nights, you should uh, check out Twitter at Thomas Frank Carr. I put out the call there. But more importantly, be a member at Blue White Illustrated because if you're a message board member, every week I'll put out the call there and we answer those questions, or at least as many as we can. I slipped Chris's question in here at the beginning because he was asking again about the music. So it's really why we talked about that when we did. So let's get started with our first question. It is from We Are on the message board. The recent Eric Wilson interview generated some debate as to whether Coach Trout's high attention to detail in teaching and assessing O-line technique perhaps led to overthinking assignments. Certainly, our offensive line looked lost on assignments at times in this past season. Do you believe the players were overthinking their assignments? If not, what other factors perhaps contributed to this? Uh, He is referring to an article I wrote yesterday. If you're listening, if you're listening to this on its release date of Thursday over at bluewhiteillustrate.com, it was a premium article about my conversation with Eric Wilson. I was on uh, the Pater podcast with our friend Tom Hannafin, who was a member of the BWI YouTube family doing post games with us. He invited me over on his show to talk to Eric Wilson about this last season. Um, so that's where all of this comes from. And one of the things that I asked and, and Eric talked about and focused on was, Phil Troutwine's attention to detail. It's not just that you won. It's how did you win? Where were your feet? How were your hands? And did that lead to overthinking at times by the offensive line? So, Nate, that's the setup. Do you uh, think that that's a possibility when it comes to what happened last season? Is that a factor? Who? Um, maybe. I, I don't. I don't know if I buy that as much as like I think for the first year with with the michael minutes and um right like uh, with those older guys i I think maybe that was a little bit more the case particularly after not having a spring practice or really a summer practice like that yeah that storyline absolutely fit and seemed to be the reasoning behind some of the struggles that they had this past year it was it was more normal it was a more it was a more normal environment. I think right. that what happened though was Sal Wormley got hurt, which is not. I, I understand, like it sounds like I'm making that the breaking point, right. but it's not. It's just it's what's that game Kerplunk, right? Where you 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 pull a straw and then another straw and then another straw and then all the marbles come down. Okay, you've lost me. I don't I don't know that one. Uh, I, I got kids. In yeah. any case. <laughs> in any case, in any case, it, right? It's the it's the straw that you know broke the camel's back. Though is you, yeah, you've got all of these different elements that kind of lead into people playing out of position. Uh, some guys playing to impress the NFL. Yeah, uh, right. Like yeah. all of these different factors that go into 
having they might not be like I didn't think that they got toasted all the time. They just weren't good at run blocking yeah. as a unit and then struggled occasionally, um, yeah. individually. So that's what I took it as. What did what did what was your assessment? Well, I think that you're you're if I could sum up your point about Sal Wormley is that you didn't have a lot of straws to begin with, with this offensive line and you lost one. So having what you wanted is a little bit different than uh, having depth and flexibility, which is another thing that Eric brought up in the, uh, in the interview was learned how valuable depth was. Um, And he also insinuated that you never know when a guy is injured on the offensive line because they don't talk about it. And offensive linemen in particular will not talk about it. So that is something that we won't know, but is should be considered a factor with every, with with any performance that is sub optimal for what you're expecting. That should be one of the questions you ask yourself in your head is, is there a mitigating factor of an injury? So aside from that, I do think because of what you said, this was the first year of a normal rhythm with Phil Troutwine of. We're now getting into it. I can now coach you during the spring. I can now coach you during training camp. Maybe some of the older guys, and I'm not saying all of them, some of them struggled with that transition of full-time nitpicking. And, you know, I'm using an inflammatory word of, like, attention to detail. And maybe they were not as receptive as somebody else who wants that and thinks that they need to get better and they want to get better, and they'll accept that as much as it may not feel good. So I am open to the idea, but there will never be evidence that that's the case. There certainly were guys that did not play with great awareness on the field. And whether they're thinking or they just were bad at finding their assignment, I think that is such a thing in the ether that I can't really say yes or no. But I would consider that to be a part of the narrative of the the five or six, like the confluence of terrible things that happened for Penn State's offensive line to produce what you saw last season, including the things outside of the offensive line's control, like running backs injuries, tight ends, you know, all of that stuff. So, you know, it's a great discussion. It's a great conversation. And I guess the point is we will see when it comes to the next crop of guys and some of them younger not trained by anyone else but Phil Troutwine and see what happens. Pocono 570, and I think he's from upstate New York, I would imagine, uh, says, who's the biggest surprise so far in winter workouts? I don't think anyone likes my humor, so I'll move on from my bad jokes. Uh, Nate, who stood out to you as far as our uh, social media posts? Uh, yeah, so the latest update is Kevon Lee has, has, as of Tuesday, the, uh, another round will come out on Thursday, but uh, Kevon Lee has three uh, at running back, which Hello. is, yeah, nobody else, nobody else has done that. Um, they have had one true freshman on the list. Do you remember who Zane that Durant. was? Zane Durant. Who was going yes. to be mine of, that was surprising that, uh, of all the guys of the position, including some of the older guys that if we were going by our narrative of this is kind of a depth chart thing, seniority and the leaders in the room are going to be mentioned first, then that is that is different than that. That is a freshman who is I don't even think like his position is set. So having him that is saying that is saying something. So that is something that I was I took notice of, you know, I retweeted that and and made that comment as well. So that'd be mine. And that that would also answer because a couple other people on the message board this kind of rolls all into one question of any freshman or anybody else showing up so far in the uh 
uh, in these particular shout-outs. And to the point of the quarterbacks, Sean Clifford has two. Christian Veyu has one that I've seen. I have not seen either of the other freshman quarterbacks be announced as the winter workout winner of the day. Nor has, and and I don't know, maybe this is unfair to be surprised by this, but of of everyone that came in with that true freshman class, I thought that Nick Singleton was probably the most prepared. I think he is the most prepared. I mean, yeah. dude, just his workout, uh, his training, you know, uh, regimen is legendary. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, uh, so the fact that he hasn't gotten one, uh, you know, as of it, it, look, it's still early. There's only been three. So it's not yeah. like, it's not like it's a detractor. It's just, um, you know, I, my assumption would be that that's coming sooner rather than later. And, and we we do talk about this as uh, this. These can mean anything and they can yeah. use any criteria they want to announce anybody as their winner of the day when it comes to that. As long as I imagine, as long as it rings true to the players on the field, like if you're just picking people and that doesn't like you'll smell BS if you're a football player. But I imagine like Kevon Lee's working really hard. And maybe they don't want to put so much pressure on their freshman running back, seeing sure. as there's already people foaming at the mouth about him. Maybe they're not. They're they're letting him lay low for a little bit. It's it's a safe assumption that if they've been selected, that they actually did participate in the winter workout. Yes, right. Like like nobody that was in the library <laughs> during the winter workout is being chosen. But. Yeah. For sure. Beyond that, we should take and tread lightly, as lightly as possible on this, because it just it doesn't matter. So. I find them fun. Like I find this stuff absolutely, fun, and yeah, it is too. interesting. But like you, there there is a certain subset of this where it's like just we have to say out loud several times. Remember, don't take any of this as 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 doctrine. Like don't take any of our comments about this stuff as anything other than fun speculation about something that happens on Twitter. There, there was a time in this program, probably before you were born, where, <laughs> where like you, you heard from Penn State football from September until January one sparingly, and then not again until the end of the blue white game, and yeah. then not again until really like lift for life. I mean, and this was this yeah. is within my tenure. I mean, this is within the last 15, 20 years. So, no, nah, I mean, I look. The more the merrier, but pump it out. Give me the tweets. Yep. Let's talk about it. I yep. love it. Uh, another one of our uh, message board members, somebody who is a, a regular participant. I always love, I, I, I think it's psych him is going to be how we pronounce that. Very much enjoy your player evaluations. Of course, he's talking to uh, Nate here, our excellent yes, film evaluator. <laughs> uh, how well are you able to evaluate player progression from spring practice, blue-white game? Sure hope tight end progressing and blocking. And I mentioned that the tight ends are much better blocking second half of the season here on the BWI Daily Edition a couple, like maybe a month ago, looking at the numbers and looking at the film. Uh, and he hopes it is consistent and that progression has happened. So... I can't answer that until I still see spring ball. And, and Nate, I don't know what sort of access are we going to be getting to spring practice outside of the blue white game? Do you think? Cause you know, I'm now used to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I am now used to seeing everything the same way everybody else does, which is on social media. And it's just well-produced hype videos. Yep. Yep. No, that's a, that's a great question. I, I would, I, I don't know. I, I, my sense last year when they held, two more or less 
blue white games, right? Yeah. I mean, they had the actual one that the media was invited to attend, and then they actually had another one a that Friday night, one. <laughs> a bonus blue white game uh, a week later. I don't know. My sense was that James Franklin came away liking that and enjoying that. And so I'm wondering if maybe there might not be, uh, you know, just a couple more opportunities. I think obviously we're going to see the beginning of spring practice when that kicks off on March 21st. We'll, we'll, you know, the media will be invited and obviously we'll have some video and photos and that kind of stuff to pass along. But I, to the question and what I think is probably interesting that you can back me up on is, you don't really see things like you don't see enough at the beginning of spring practice to have a baseline from which to judge yeah. when you see the end of spring practice. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of tough to see that development in full until the actual season starts. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that I think is important to point out of, you know, it's, it is different watching practice live in person than watching film. And like, I, you know, if I'm lucky, I can film maybe two minutes of highlights that I show you here on the YouTube channel. And other than that, like I'm in the camera, I'm looking through that lens. I'm not actually have a, I don't have a bird's eye view. You're not allowed to do formation and things like that. You have to get close up some players and not that anyone wants to know how the sausage is made, but that does inform like people like players may look different and they may move different. And that's what I'm going to notice in practice in the blue white game. There's a little bit more that you can get a, a handle of, of okay. Mac him Mac Hippenhammer looked great when he was in the blue white game, he was getting behind guys. He was doing a great job and you saw the early potential that he had. And I said, this kid's going to be really good. And everyone else said, Hey, don't, don't forget about KJ Hamler. He's the real difference maker. The difference is KJ Hamler continued to develop and Mac Hippenhammer played baseball. So, you know, there there are there are things you can see in those situations and there are players that can stand out. Last year I did not think that uh, any of the quarterbacks looked particularly good in what we yep. saw, especially yep. uh Taquan Roberson. I did not think that he threw the ball well. I didn't feel like he had a good grasp of where to look on the field to get the ball to the right spot and all those played out to be true but you know we're not there for the rest of it so with the tight ends in particular it'll all be about the blue white game specifically the blue white game so if 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 theo johnson is coming out and burying defensive ends i don't care who it is on the roster if he's burying big 10 defensive ends that's gonna tell me okay he took a step forward either physically or technically um but outside of that like it is and even then it's a, it you got to take all of that with a grain of salt so i'll be providing that stuff for you but you know, that's kind of setting the parameters for what we're looking at. LB99 asks, PSU has put a big emphasis on edge guys on defense. Who are the big names that they are going after on the interior of the D-line who are the most likely to end up wearing blue and white? Now, that last part, I can tell you Matthias Barnwell because he's currently committed to the class. And that I know, he has talked about openly with Ryan Snyder about playing defensive tackle going forward. He has kind of accepted that he wants to play like a big edge, but if he's a three to, if he's a big edge and he's playing rundowns on the edge, he's playing on the interior as an interior pass rusher in three, a third down situation. So like he's going to play defensive tackle, I think. So that's one. And I think he has exceptional talent. He can be a great football player, but outside of that, there's a lot of players that are interested 
in Penn State that Penn State has had good relationships with so far that came to Junior Day, uh, and some in-the-region prospects that are really great. Ryan Snyder, our uh, associate, our co-worker, and the insider for recruiting for Blue White Illustrated, was two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, he was on the show, and we talked about this, all the, the, the big board for 2023. So I'll run down some of the names. Matthias Barnwell is the number one name you need to know. Jason Moore goes to Matha Catholic. He's a local player. He is a top player in the nation. Plays defensive end, but has that 6'6 frame. He's probably going to develop into a defensive tackle. Derek LeBlanc and uh, John Walker are from Florida. They both came up for junior days. It seemed like they're interested in the program. LeBlanc is another one of those edge defenders that is just huge and like looks like the puppy that has big hands, like big paws. He's going to grow into a, a, another explosive interior pass rusher at defensive tackle. John Walker, 300 pounds, already a really good physically violent offensive lineman from his highlights. Will Norman, Joe Starling, Justin Benton, and Sidier Mitchell are all guys that are part of the conversation as well. So that's the to answer your question of who are the guys that Penn State is uh, recruiting. But Nate, it's not about that they focused on edge. They try to get the three techniques. They try to get those big-time defensive tackle recruits. They're just more successful so far with the edge defenders than they have been with the three techniques because those guys go to Alabama. Those guys go to Clemson. It's not like they're not trying to get those guys. I I don't understand why we're talking about anybody other than Jordan Vandenberg. I oh, he was another one that was the Iron Lion of the week. He's, That's what I'm saying. Shout out. I I'm uh, yeah. You know how I feel about Jordan Vandenberg. They love him. He's gonna be a beast. We'll see what happens. I I agree. I've I've loved. I want to be here. I want to say here because I I've been vociferous with my uh, love of Jordan Vandenberg on this show, even before it was this show on the Blue White Illustrated channel. I called it first with that kid. Whoa. I mean, I mean Penn State called it first because they recruited him, but I called it first when I watched it. Of like, this dude's a three technique. He's going to be a monster. He's going to be great. So I'm, I am now claiming that at this point because I've said it enough times. I am now... You know, uh, I guess I'm saying Rumpelstiltskin enough times to make it a, a thing. The Neil Armstrong of our times. Uh, now, Brian asks, how likely is a Clifford to Clifford TD for Penn State in 2022? Liam have a chance to play on the field this year, and what role could he be? I'll let you answer the first part. What do you think? Clifford to Clifford? That can happen? Ooh, can it happen? Yes, it can. I don't know if it will. I'm... I don't, I mean, I don't, do you want to go down this road? I'm going to go down this road. Sure. I, I think we'll see like, and this is why I'm so interested in quarterback is I want to see what the other guys are doing, how they're coming, where they are, because again, I'm going to go back to 2020. I do think that while i can sit here and would unquestionably give Sean Clifford the edge to start the season depend like he will need to continue to perform or perform well from the jump to hold on to that job. If everything goes the way it seems like it might, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> there, there are, there, there are other options in the room that have the potential now to, to force that hand to force yeah staying up because uh that wasn't 
or hasn't always been the case. And I understand James Franklin's loyalty to that position and his yep. starter, but I, I just think that the, um, you know, the, the hook it will probably be at least a little bit quicker this year than it has been in past years, depending on what goes right, like what transpires. Yeah. You, you, every time you say that, every time your belief in that reality permeates my soul, I feel a little better. And, and not from, and again, not from a fan perspective, but I've watched Sean Clifford for six years now. Sure. And I've run the gambit. I, it's kind of like the offensive line. Nate, I, I've been meaning to text the group this, uh, and I've been meaning to say this out loud, so I'm going to say it out loud right now. I don't know that I can write another word about the Penn State offensive line this offseason. I have gone so hard at that particular topic for three months now that I, I know I'm going to. I know I'm going to, but I'm just telling you, I'm tapped out. Yeah. It's uh, like we're going in circles. We we are we are a dog tied to a chain running in circles in the backyard. That's how I yeah. feel about this particular topic. So when it comes to Sean Clifford and watching his film, I've seen everything I need to see. So seeing something else to evaluate would be phenomenal. I would love that. Now I'm not I'm not hoping for anything ill for Sean. Like I if he succeeds, I'll be very happy for a guy who wanted to do that in 2021 and it didn't work out, right? The hero's journey you talked about of of overcoming these things. You know, I would be happy for him, but if I get to watch Christian Veyu and find something else new about a football player, I'd love to do that too. Sure. Um That's, it I'm going to take it a step for like it's not even circles, right? Like these are sailor knots at this point. <laughs> like we they're just my issue, and the thing that I always get hung up on, is it's you can't evaluate him alone. There, yeah, there, there was just never a moment this past season where he could, like, you could just reasonably look only at him and say, "Oh, well, this was a pure performance," because yeah. there was never a running game. There was never <laughs> yeah. right, like, and yeah. so. What what is a a fair burden to shoulder? Yeah. Um, so here's another you know, part of that too that that you're you're correct about is down the stretch, out of sight, out of mind when it comes to the injury because the injury happened and it's clearly affecting him for the first three games under those circumstances. But he still performed. He was still in those games, and I've never had to operate with any sort of major injury right now. Like I am having referred pain down my right arm from something I did at the gym and I'm distracted, but I've never had to play football with a potential. Like we talked about, it, it could have been a broken rib. I don't know. So I don't know what mental strain that put on Clifford last year that caused him to operate differently under pressure because he did. He operated different. He was, there was some luck involved in the first half of the season. He played well, in certain situations, but there was some luck about he wasn't as good under pressure as it seemed. All of that fell off the cliff in the second half of the season, and I don't know what to what to assign him and the just con literal concussive force of time or that particular injury caused to his mental process because it did, something affected his mental process in the second half of the season. It was not as sharp, and there's no way around the, that. I, I, I think that the stretch of games pre and post injury, right? Like all that stuff is fine and can be conversed about and discussed ad nauseum. The, the, the thing that I think has to be a real moment of pause is the bowl game. Even yes. without 
Yep. Even without Rashid Walker, even yep. without Jahan Dotson, um, that that performance, sh- sh- right? Like that again. There was that time yep. to recover. There, were, like all of those different things, should have put it. It might not have been a completely clean slate, but it should have been something approximating a clean slate. Um, yeah. You know, well, that's and, that's and when I that's what put the nail in the coffin for me. You're exactly right. Is okay. Now, now I'm ready to move on in my evaluation. Like I'm ready now to move on. I feel like yep. all of those factors, as far as we know, are all clear. And that was a bad mental performance. That was a bad process performance. So, yeah. Yep. But to, to answer Brian's second question, which is really about Liam here, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, he's going to have to compete to get on the football field. But if it can happen, I believe they'll make it happen. I think that that's something they want to give Sean and that's important to Sean. So if it doesn't happen by Central Michigan, so you got Purdue, Ohio, Auburn, Central Michigan. If there's not a mo- like if Liam Clifford does not force his way onto the football field as a player with the starting unit or in regular time, I'm looking at Central Michigan and Ohio for a nice story. Outside of that, I don't know if that's going to happen unless they blow somebody out in the season. And at that point, you know, the whole conversation we just had might take effect of is, is, is Clifford the quarterback on the football field. The last yeah. thing I'll say about Liam is I see him as a big slot body, as a, pos- a possession slot receiver. Good route runner. I think he does a good job transitioning and can get open that way, but might not have the, the explosive down the field speed for what Mike Yersich likes to use in that perimeter boundary receiver. But if Penn State sees him as a big bodied boundary, then I see him there too. He can go either way. And that was part of his evaluation that I was surprised by is he can get on the field in multiple ways and he's a good hands receiver. He doesn't drop the football. So I'm, I'm looking to see if he gets on the field, how that is. There's a lot of flexibility there. Moving on to our good friend Beaverman on Twitter, Beaverman 72, which position rooms development are you most interested in this spring and why? And Beaverman likes to dictate the terms, Nate. Your choice there, D-line, linebacker, receiver, and offensive line. I'll let you do whatever you want, and you can go first. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to live by those rules. I can't. <laughs> I can't, and I won't. Fiercely independent, Nate Bauer. It is what it is. Uh, I, I want to see the quarterbacks. I, I'm sorry. Like, I just I want to see the quarterbacks. I want to see how they look, who looks prepared, who looks like they're picking it up, and how they're coming along. Because, you know, the the combination of experience and potential makes it intriguing. And, you know, I, sorry, but that's that's where I'm going. You know, I, I, I feel like there's a certain amount of um, there's a certain amount of restraint here by Beaverman to not mention the quarterbacks because he's a he's a viewer of this show. So he sure. is a highly intelligent, elevated sort of fan that isn't yeah. going to go straight for the easy thing of the quarterback. And I think you zigging at that zag is a fair thing to do. But I, I think he was trying to preempt that because Beaverman is, is a guy that follows along and he knows stuff. So I appreciate it, it both I'm of you dumb. in this situation. <laughs> uh, I don't really have. I don't really have a, an answer to this one. I guess I'm not interested in receiver because I know what they've got in uh, receiver. Like, I feel fairly confident that I know what's coming at receiver. Offensive think, line, like I said, I'm tapped out of caring about that at the moment. But that's probably the answer. I'm going to go D-line. 
because I have a lot of questions about the defensive line. From the guys that's, that started by the end of the season to my guy Jordan Vandenberg, who I called before even Penn State, that he was going to be great. I scouted him from Iowa Western Community College. Uh, all the way down to, you know, Zane Durant, who's getting some runs so far. So there's a lot of questions. I think there's Fatorma Mulba flashed a little bit to me in the uh, in the bowl game. He had one heavy-handed pass rush where he just smacked a guy out of the way and got pressure on the quarterback. So who steps up there? I think that, to me, is the most wide-open, most interesting position. It's it's uh, it's not development, but I want to see Tinsley at, at receiver. Yeah. Uh, like, is he, what is he? Is he yeah. a star? Is he is he a Dotson replacement? Is he something else? Or is is Parker Washington a star? I, you know, yeah. I think certainly there's an argument to be made there that he might be, given some of the catches that he had there in the Outback Bowl. But, yeah, I think your pick is a good one. Uh, let's see who we got here. We got a couple left here on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm going to go to this one first, actually, because I want to I wanna end with a football question. So... This is something I'm excited about. I even emailed Dave Eckert, our basketball recruiting guy, to give a good answer to Ben, who wants to know about basketball recruiting. He says, who are the upcoming PA kids that are potential program changers in basketball? And are you aware of Shrewsbury potentially going after them? What will the potential landscape of b-ball recruiting look like for our new coach generally? So I asked Dave, and I'll give you a chance to respond, but this is what Dave had to say. If we're talking 2023, two big PA names to know at this point are Justin Edwards and uh, Kachi Enzi. Edwards' five-star that the Lions have gotten on campus this fall, but is considered a heavy Kentucky lean. While they think they're a factor, would not expect them to land him at the end of the day. Winning recruiting battles against Kentucky is not easy. Uh, Enzi is the big man from George, uh, from George school, who probably is a more realistic target target coached by Ben Luber, a PSU alum. Penn state hasn't sent out an offer yet for 2024. So 2023, they started to catch these ones. Uh, Imhotep point guard, Ahmad Norwell, probably PA's top talent in the 24 cycle. In general though, I wouldn't expect them to depend solely on PA or Philly talent the way Pat Chambers did with his staff. They want to recruit two places. The first is the Penn State name carries weight in PA, DMV, New Jersey, New York. Second is kids grow up dreaming of playing in the Big Ten, essentially the Midwest. So if you look at the first class, they have two PA kids, Virginia, one from Ohio, another from Indiana. They all fit under those umbrellas. So there's your answer from Dave, our recruiting insider. Nate, any thoughts? I no. I mean, the the guy is Jamil Brown. I mean, it, mm-hmm. but he's already signed and will be at Penn State this summer. So, uh, in terms of players, they are chasing and are trying to recruit. No, that's that's Dave's forte. And and Ben, by the way, Ben, happy to answer your question here. But if you want to get this basketball insider information, sign up for Blue White Illustrated, and you can ask Dave directly. Because he's available on the Lions Den message board, which you get access to for a a one U.S. dollar, one. Which what? I understand 20. we're all. I, I've heard more about inflation in the last two months since I was at a balloon factory. Like you, you hear more about inflation now than ever. And even with all of that, it's a dollar to sign up for Blue White Illustrated. Link is the first one in the description of this video. You can scroll down, Ben. You can sign up for a dollar and you get 12 months of access a year. The dollar you spend now is going to be worth the dollar that you spent next October. It's the same money because you get 12 months of access. 
and uh, it's a great deal. And you can ask Dave these questions. You guys can chat. He can be your best friend. You can go get beers. All that stuff leads to a lifelong friendship. Uh, and of course, while I'm doing my commercials here, subscribe to the Blue Eyed Illustrated YouTube channel. If you're watching this and you're seeing my amazing graphics that I do here and you're listening on the podcast to my amazing intro music, then uh, subscribe. There's no reason not to. It's free. With those two things, you spend exactly $1, and you help out starving videos in YouTube land if you like them. So all of those things are within your power to change for the better. Honest Jay Paterno asks, which position coach exceeded your expectations in 2021? Nate? Huh. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, John Scott. Okay, that's good. That's a good one. They were good, like, and dealt with quite a bit of setbacks, quite a few setbacks, I yeah. should say. So the the fact that they were still as productive as they were and effective as they were, right? I mean, I, I don't think that there's any question that you've seen a marked change from the the Sean Spencer Sackapalooza, yeah, right? Like they're just that's not what they're trying to do now. Yeah. Um. But but what they are doing and what you are seeing is fewer quarterbacks really break their backs on third and long scrambles, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Like yeah. they're, they're just, it's less of that. The run defense has been stout and it starts up front. So sure. John Scott. Yeah. And I underrated with everything that's been going on in the other areas of recruiting is he's done a great job getting quality talent to campus as well, where a guy like Zane Durant coming from Florida. I mean, I'm, if it weren't for Jordan Vandenberg, I would be all in on Zane Durant. He's younger and maybe not in this upcoming year, but I love watching. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm undersized, but I love watching undersized football players wreck people. And that's what he does. So it's fun to watch. Um, that's that that that's a that's a good answer. I would go with Anthony Poindexter. Um, great reputation coming to Penn State from coach to player, all of that stuff. But from the very minute that we were introduced to him and I got to ask him questions, I was impressed the whole time. I was very impressed with, you know, just the person and the the poise that he had in answering questions. And then the answers that he gave, you know, not that I know yes or no whether you answered my question correctly, but I agreed with what he was saying. Like, everything he said made a ton of sense. Everything that he said sounded right to me and what I believe and what I've seen to be true about football. So that started there. And then the unbelievable production he got from two super talented players that elevated their game this past season under his, his eye, I thought was really great because Brisker, I think took a step forward as a, as a, as a coverage player and Tig Brown didn't get a chance to be integrated into the defense last season. And that didn't go well in 2020. He wasn't just good. I, I said this somewhere else, like I expected the, the, the interceptions to dry up at a certain point because some of them are just luck of being in the right spot. But he went out and he took a bunch of balls away from from the offense. And that's not luck. That is then process. So those two guys were great. So I'd go with with that group. And Anthony Poindexter is my answer. I like it. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, no, I, thought, I mean, he was just for whatever it's worth, like he he, he was an instant well-received guy yeah like across the board players coaches james franklin media whatever you know what have you so. yep uh one note here to end the show that is breaking as we're recording 
So by the time you read this or you you watch this show, probably not breaking news anymore. But Blue White Games scheduled to kick at 2 p.m. now. So we officially have a time on the Blue White Game coming up on April 23rd, which seems like it's a forever time ago, a time to go until then. But it's almost March, so we're almost there, Nate. We're coming. Can't appreciate wait. you. Speaking of, appreciate you coming on the show today. I love doing this mailbag with you. Thanks for having me. It's uh, you know. It's nice. Any other thoughts to get out while we're uh, while we're getting getting out of the show here? Anything that uh, I cut you off or I yammered for too long that you didn't get to say? No, I don't think so. I, you know, it's look. We got to get through February. Let's get to March. <laughs> <laughs> let's, get, let's get to March. Let's see what happens with basketball. But I, look, I, I will say this, and, and this is me on a soapbox a little bit, but. Penn State basketball is an interesting story. They might not be like front runners, but yeah. people should be paying attention because they're pretty interesting. If there's and one, they play, they play hard. They play their butts off. Like that's. If there's one regret I have about the show at the moment, it's that we don't spend enough time talking about basketball. And and they they have been in the first year is always interesting under a new head coach, but there seems to be a different sort of you should have been here at the start of this sort of thing and and that's how I felt from the beginning we just haven't been able to get for one reason or another as much about the basketball team on the show as I would have liked so far this season and you know some of those things kind of like offensive line in 2021 some of those things are just beyond your control so that's how that's where I'll leave it but that'll do today for the BWI daily edition I'm your host Thomas Frank Carr that's smiling man next to me is Nate Bauer doing a great job as our senior editor and a guy with great insight into Penn State football basketball and child's games that that you can you can play with your young children we'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the week make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and to youtube we'll talk to you then it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.